0: Hello everybody, I'm the Orca Man Fred, and today I am here with Salma. Salma is a sightings network coordinator and data and GIS analyst for the Whale Museum who I've been in contact with. How long have we been in touch? Like two years now, I think.
1: I always when I talk about you to people, I always say, like, you started emailing me as soon as I got hired. Never <laughs> 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 been hired.
0: <laughs> yeah. When so did you gonna- get hired?
1: um I started like very and I sometimes don't even feel like it qualifies because I my first day was like December twenty seventh, 2019 uh. and then it was like okay you have the next few days off for new year so it's like December <laughs> January what is yeah. 2020 anymore but yeah somewhere in there
0: <laughs> well you also entered then right at the beginning of COVID
1: yeah in like I two did. months <laughs> <I did>. yeah <laughs> I started uh, right before the world decided to go upside down. Yes. So fun. Yeah.
0: And when yeah. in that process, when did you end up going to the San Juan Island?
1: So it's kind of like, I already knew that I was going to be moving up there um, yeah. in like October-ish. Uh, Jenny, who's the executive director of the Royal Museum, and I have been talking about, Getting the funds together to create my position, Um, and then like October, it kind of happened. Like the stars aligned, and that's and getting like I had to cut off a lease, and I was tutoring kids at the time in the Bay Area, and so I had to take my kids through the rest of the semester um, and kind of just like get my things all in line, and you know, drive a giant moving truck from <laughs> Oakland <laughs> up to um, Anacortas and then get on like the ferry and then show up on this island. So yeah, like I knew about it for a couple months before I actually moved up there. Um, but mm-hmm. then like, I didn't really like set foot on the island as the sightings network coordinator until like end of December.
0: Wild, I was gonna say, cause I can only, like one of the biggest things during the whole pandemic that I can remember is like sitting here and trying to decide where I wanted to stay during it, and i was like okay like yeah. is it here is it back home or otherwise but being on an island for the whole of it i actually really didn't think about that <laughs> until right now like that, that makes a big difference
1: <laughs> yeah it honestly uh, okay i don't know if i'm gonna get like crap this but like i was so thankful that i was on this island <laughs> for the pandemic <laughs> because like don't get me wrong i loved oakland but living in Oakland was hard. And I yeah. mean, I'm from like a, like a city area. I'm from the D.C. metro area. And even then, like living in Oakland was just like between like just like Bay Area prices and then also like, you know, constantly having to worry about street sweeping or like, you know, like your car windows getting smashed in. Like I had a license plate stolen off my car. And yeah. um, it was just like, you know, add all to that like you know just like germy people i think i would have lost my absolute mind living in like any city um yeah. but like just oakland specifically because that's where i was at beforehand so i was very thankful to be on an island very very thankful to be on an island for the for quarantine
0: or, or, i was gonna say with like a whole like three thousand people who you probably ended up like recognizing by the end of it too it's one of the things
1: like i never my house no okay <laughs> I never left my house. No, I got groceries <laughs> delivered. I was that person. I just honestly, it just like messed me up in the head because I was just like, people were like, it's the flu. But then we just didn't know anything about it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm 26, 27. I am not that anymore. <laughs> but like, I'm not interested in getting like heart disease for the rest of my life or like lung disease for the rest of my yeah. life. So I was very much like keeping my butt at home. Like that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to be out of it. So <laughs> yeah. earlier when you were saying you were like getting ready to go over, you said you and Jenny were talking about like creating your position.
1: Yeah. So okay. So did it exist? Count- like how did yeah.
0: that come about?
1: <laughs> um, it didn't exist as a standalone like position. It was always yeah. kind of like at an add-on. Um, and before me, it was Jennifer Olson, mm-hmm. who is now a faculty member at uh, Everett Community College. She works with the Ocean Research, O R C A. Like the acronym is ORCA. It's Ocean <laughs> Research uh, Conservation Academy or something like that. Cool. I am gonna mess that up. But it's part of the Everett um, Everett Community College like uh, system. And I think it's for like high school students that are taking um, you know like college level classes before they actually graduate and things like yeah. that yeah anyway so jen was the uh stranding network coordinator and the sightings network coordinator um,
0: okay
1: also a lot of other things she was a curator at one point <laughs> um yeah <laughs> so jen did everything yeah and, she was all um, yeah so it's kind of like from den like butted three individual positions and i am i think i'm one of the most like recent ones because the curator was kind of um, had butted off, if you will, from Jen mm-hmm. a couple years before me, and there yeah. was always a curator, um, at least a couple years prior to my starting. But That's yeah, right. so the Sightings Network was the last thing that kind of butted off of Jen and um, Alyssa is Alyssa Scott, who is now the Sightings Network. Sorry, training Network coordinator. Yeah. Um, at the Well Museum.
0: Yeah, so that's good. Kind of, did I answer that question? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. So okay. when Jen left, they needed people for the Stranding Network, Sightings Network, and then the curated position is kind of moved around. Dealing with the Sightings Network, I, like I can say this pretty sincerely, I don't think I've ever seen a data or GIS analyst as a position at the Whale Museum ever.
1: <laughs> no. So that was it, also yeah. something that
0: was like built up.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was kind of like... Uh, I think I would I should give Jenny full credit for that because I just <laughs> I just happened to be in the right place in the right time. It's not like I was like plotting over here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um Jen, so it, it kind of story kind of starts off like a few months prior to me, even just like finding out about this position. And so it mm-hmm. was like this uh Jen Olsen was kind of was moving on and to her current role now with Orca. Um yeah. And uh, her stranding position was like advertised on Marmam and all those things. And I was an intern. Um, mm. I was one of Jen. I think that was actually Jen's first intern, stranding <laughs> intern. Yeah, I'm just like yay. <laughs> I love Jen so much. She's great. Um, Yeah, so I was, uh, so I was an intern back in 2015 at the Well Museum, and I was like the Stranding Network intern, and so when her position was open, and I had just finished my masters at the time I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Um, And unfortunately I didn't get that and I was bummed out about it, but it turned out that Jenny had ulterior motives (laughs) for like me, (laughs) because um, after I kind of got that like news that sorry but Thanks, but no thanks. Like you're not the best, but straining network position. Um, She came, I had just come back actually from a field trip in Vietnam with my graduate advisor. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jenny was just like, so I've been talking to WDFW and like Noah or whomever that ended up like, I know where my grants are, but yeah. Um, And I think we can get the money together. And I'd really like to have a GIS person be the sightings network coordinator because um, she really wanted that skill built up at the museum. So that was kind of like Jenny's whole uh, thinking because she interviewed for the stranding position. I mentioned that I had just finished my master's in GIS and she was like, oh, you don't say. (laughs) say?
0: We have a different place.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, And obviously, I didn't know that. Like, I had just gotten the news, like, hey, sorry, we're not going to go. (laughs) I was kind of bummed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was actually in Paris at the time. I was just like going, I was walking through the Louvre and. I was like checking my email because I was just like so tired my friend Jordan and I we had just like literally we didn't sleep for three straight days and it was just like the roof was the last thing and that museum was huge and I remember she was just like really into looking at something and I was just like Mm -hmm. sitting on the floor and just going through my email just like my feet hurt and I got that (laughs) news, and I was already like sad and tired and hungry and I I was like no so like that's how i remember <laughs> i didn't get it every time i
0: think about that i'm just like wow that was a weird space to be. <laughs> oh yeah no it is so in a number of ways too like <laughs> I, for the William museum it's so like locked into one location i forget that like a lot of the people not from the island to start with let alone like <laughs> no no not a place you'd expect to get that email <laughs> At the week.
1: no not at all like, <laughs> i wasn't even expecting to get it that way i was just kind of yeah. like killing okay. time on my phone i just couldn't keep walking anymore
0: <laughs> was it just a trip for fun
1: yeah it, well it was kind of like a treat yourself because i just like finished my master's and oh, yeah. um my friend jordan was uh working in Sierra Leone at the time, and she was gonna take. She was so we're both from like the D.C. Maryland area and um, Virginia, D.C. Maryland Virginia. I'm not gonna leave about the Virginia because <laughs> I'm on the Virginia side. Um, yeah, and so we uh, like just were like, hey, like, do you want to meet up for a few days in Paris? And I was like, yeah, sure. I really want to go eat some actual croissants. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, it makes all the sense in the world.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Okay, so. Once you finished your master's and you get settled on the island, COVID starts, whatever. What did you kind of walk into for projects with the position? Or the first couple of things they threw at you?
1: Yeah, so I inherited a couple things and a couple things were like new for the role.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um So, one of the big things I inherited was the Orca Master Contract Report that we do in conjunction with the National Marine Fisheries Science Center, and um, that is a big annual report that compiles all reported southern resident killer whale sightings that Mm -hmm. have been submitted to the Whale Museum, uh, either through our immediate channels or through partnerships that we have with other organizations. putting together all those data for the year, and um, putting, together, putting them together in this report with all these like figures and maps, maps, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. um, maps, <laughs> this is why like the GIS thing coming back, <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, it's not like I, I just happen to be in the right place in the right time for that. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so that's the big contract report, and that honestly does, I think about that every day, every <laughs> the whole year, <laughs> so yeah. like ad infinitum. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's just because it's like the primary support that, you know, ha- makes my position possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also, uh, the, so the couple things that I, were new to me were um, working with uh, WDFW to kind of help support the, you um, like the RAS initiative, and I don't know if you've heard much about that. No, um, I
0: haven't.
1: Yeah, so RAS stands for the Whale Report Alert System, and this is one small part of the big Echo Project that was in that was spearheaded by like the Vancouver Port Authority, and um, like it was it's a BC program. <laughs> it's sure. a BC program. Yeah. Um, and so. <clears throat> Excuse me, in 2019, in October, when Jenny and I were first talking about like the possibility of creating this position, um, she invited me up to Seattle for the as part of like the governor's Orca task force. Yeah. To talk about like the impacts of large commercial shipping activity on marine mammals, specifically killer whales because they mm-hmm. are so endangered. Um and um that's where i kind of got like started getting my footing into the like second hat primary hat that i wear in my job which is um supporting the RAS and building up that its use in washington state water so um up until quiet sound was created it was always called echo south um Mm. and now it's actually called quiet sound which is the echo equivalent (coughs) sorry you're good. which is the ECHO equivalent in Washington state waters and it encompasses a lot of different things. The one component that I'm actually working on or, um, you know, a part of is yeah. the RAS initiative. And that is to support the RAS, we ultimately have to support, you know, like sightings data entry. Um, mm-hmm. and right now the only way by which you can submit sightings data to feed into the RAS is through the Whale well report, App, which is <laughs> excuse me, which is the public-facing side of that application, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've been working with the BC cetacean sightings network. Well, technically OceanWise. I work yeah. with the BC cetacean sightings network when I'm asking as the sightings network coordinator. But then when I'm working with them for the RAS stuff, I'm working with OceanWise. Wise. Um, so again, small nonprofits, so things kind of get. Like, it's the same people. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, why of course. Those two um, yeah, yeah, so I work with uh, Dr. Lauren Dares and Jessica Scott up at Oceanwise with Oceanwise. That's really cool. And... Yeah. But yeah, no, like, like
0: Lauren Dares Lauren gave me this book. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I, was, like what I, I, mean. I didn't realize that you guys were that close uh, or like I've worked that closely together. No, that one was, um, what is it? It was Operation Orca, because it was written by, like, uh, Lance Barrett Leonard. He was one of the authors, I'm pretty sure. Nope, nope, Francis oh. and Hewlett. I lied. Lance Barrett Leonard is just in it. <laughs> but, no, besides the point, That's um, the, the cross-boundary um, collaboration there is huge. That's amazing
1: yeah yeah so that's a really cool that was a really cool project and initiative to just like be brought into like from the beginning um Mm -hmm. it has been because of COVID it has been pretty um yeah just because a bunch of meetings and a bunch of like uh just like a bunch of like work that we were all planning on doing to kind of like spread awareness about like the RAS and well report and um like communicating with you know, like well, museum members and things like that. Definitely. Like everything kind of was just like slowed down by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not to say that, this is, you know, totally, hasn't, but um, it's just been a lot slower than I think anyone was kind of like hoping for. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, but too, everything when everything's, up,
0: yeah, when, when COVID happens, too, with that, like not only is the collaboration a little bit harder, but also, too, like nobody's out.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like no one going out. So it's no. like- No, so
0: like the sightings have to be like extremely lower than previous years I'd imagine the past two.
1: It's funny that it's not. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, there was definitely, like I was expecting, so when my interns were entering uh, data for me in the beginning of 20, like beginning of 2020 data. Um, yeah. Yeah, things were a little quiet, and then by April, May, June, there really wasn't a difference in, <laughs> like, pre-COVID years and post-COVID when the, years. W- so
0: yeah, when people, the people who were going to pay attention to see whether or not they were here, they were doing the same stuff at the end of the day then.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then I would even say, like, and, and this is all anecdotal, right? Like, I haven't, sure. like, sat there and, like, counted specifically. Yeah. It just... That way, just based on like the sheer number of like, um, like so pages of data that have been yeah. entered. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just like, I really think that because of COVID and all of the like, you know, group restrictions and gathering mm-hmm. restrictions and things like that, that people were, were able to do things like renting a boat on their own, instead of maybe going out on a whale watch, uh-huh.
0: you know,
1: um, yeah. going out and whale watching on their own. I That's just, this is, yeah, this is gonna me all like speculating yeah. and yeah, yeah. So I would like just, I don't know, I think actually because people couldn't like gather inside safe anymore, they were doing way more outdoor activities and you know, the San Juans, a lot of that involves whale watching.
0: Yeah, and also um, even if you're just on the coastline at all, like there's, there's a better chance. If you hang out on yeah. the coastline for a week, like you're going to have your eyes out at the least. And if you come yeah. across anybody else, hey, put it into the sightings network expires eight.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I would act- yeah, actually I didn't even think about that. Like a bunch of people like started road tripping more, right? and whereas like during the pandemic and like I wouldn't even say we're after the pandemic anymore, but like yeah, now people <laughs> road trip a lot more. Um yeah. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, you're, just, you're getting a lot. I don't think like sightings have actually taken as big of a hit as people might have, might think that they did. That's um, pretty nice. Then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, then, but that gets into other issues of like, are all of these people who are more or less like out of counters, right? They educated in like the best practices is, yeah. how to interact with and like view wildlife safely for both them and the wildlife um yeah i don't know but that is not my that's not my area <laughs> no,
0: no. i was gonna say changing ecosystem somebody else can go and look at that <laughs>
1: yeah i was like i am not about to wade into that mess like i'm not no, doing it's
0: it's it's its own beast to say the least no that makes all the sense in the world for so you working across border it comes a lot of challenges in a number of ways even i had to if i would imagine the kind of like systems in place for gathering settings data in bc and the states are not the same so bc they have the whale report app does that cross over to like washington
1: yeah um you can definitely download it and use the app if you're not in bc waters um
0: Yeah.
1: yeah so that's not like the the apps are not restricted geographically. Okay. The only yeah. thing that is restricted is people's movements. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that much is fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, because the animals
1: are also hopefully like not being restricted by the border.
0: Yeah, that would definitely <laughs> um, be the biggest thing. <laughs> no, yeah. not at so,
1: all. Yeah, yeah, So I, I think the the apps work just fine in dc and um waters. Yeah. Um, and that was the whole kind of point behind this like collaborative effort is to not reinvent the wheel and, you know, use a pre-existing tool that, you know, was already painted Yeah. created, um, which is the RAS um, mm-hmm. to, and then just like, you know, just get people on board in Washington state and to kind of like build it up and, you know, use it to, to actually inform mariners of nearby animals in the area
0: yeah so even I'm going to ask you to expand upon that just a little bit further too because the well report alert system I actually have an idea of what it is if only because like I've talked to the days before and I've looked <laughs> before yeah no but if you sorry. could I got that would be awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so the well report alert system is a tool that is um only for like mariners that operate large commercial shipping vessels so what that means is like tankers, cargo ships, the ferries. Um, it excludes smaller vessels, smaller commercial vessels like whale watch operators, and it also excludes small recreational, like private vessels and things like that, and mm-hmm. like charter boats and things like that. So it's geared specifically towards towards large commercial shipping activity, um, and it's I don't have like the <laughs> picture stuff of like how, I think you should actually invite uh, like Jessica Scott or uh, like Lauren Bears to come on to your show and talk yeah. more about it. Cause they, they definitely have, do a really great job communicating their tool. Um, yeah, but I uh, also, this is a podcast so people can't see anything, anything anyway, but yeah. So it's so. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the tool basically it's like a map that uh, like an operator of a large commercial uh, ship can access, either through a desktop app, um, and the mobile version, uh, it's it's not the most reliable because if you're operating large vessels like that, you're not actually allowed to have your phone with you. Um, So there is like a desktop app for the RAS. things like that. But you can basically as a operator, you can like zoom into you can pick like your zone of interest um, that you say you'll be like navigating through or transiting through and it will populate um, any live sightings in the area. And it'll kind of like and these sightings kind of like drop off in time based on the species. So for example, if it's a killer whale sighting in zone one, like I think killer whales, like, their sightings remain active on the map for, like, an hour or so because they don't really hang out very long unless, yeah. you know, they're repeated sightings. A um, humpback whale, probably, like, 6 to 12 hours, and, like, a larger whale, like, I don't know, like, a gray whale or a minky might be around for, like, 12 to 24 hours. So I don't fully remember, like, the how those yeah. sightings were, like, stratified, but yeah so that's basically the premise of it and that's because uh especially like the problem of shipping is not it's not it's not going away (laughs) the problems of shipping activity and the impacts of shipping activities on specifically morals, but you can argue the entire aquatic environment like marine environment um Mm -hmm. are only going to you know get bigger and more problematic than they already are and so this is the tool that we can help mitigate that Negative impacts of these few, um, like negative impacts that these shipping activities have on marine mammals. So it's like specifically like noise reduction um, and speed reduction to avoid like ship strike collision. More than the noise reduction, um, slowing yeah. down does reduce noise. But um, yeah, I think it's like ship, mitigating the impacts of ship strike is the, is the yep. primary for this
0: well yeah ships are also so incredibly large that you if you're not actively paying attention it could be very very easy to miss that kind of stuff like like yeah i mean like for how most high they are and like, things like that yeah
1: yeah i mean most most large ships don't even know that they've hit like you think of a blue whale as like this is the largest animal that has ever lived, like, period, bigger than any dinosaur, bigger than any other living organism that we're aware of in the fossil record or that is currently, like, or that's extant. And they are so small, thanks <laughs> to these <laughs> giant, but, like, ships. And yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. And they, and like, most ships won't know that they've hit a boat, I mean, sorry, that they've hit a whale until they come into, into port. And then they see that there's an animal like just strewn across their their bow like that's and even then that's not that doesn't always happen so they don't even feel like a bump in the road if you will um it's like sometimes like the animal will get hit and then it will just like sink to the bottom because of its injuries sometimes it will strand um and then you know if it's close enough to like a population center if the currents are favorable but yeah, most ship strikes go wildly unreported because they're mostly undetected. <laughs>
0: like yeah, I was gonna and say, it's you, not fault. Well. <laughs> no, you can't you can't possibly with the with the infrastructure that's been created for them, you, you can't there's there's nothing that was like put in to even try at the least. And also too, like yeah. the size of them they, yeah, with regard yeah. to like people not understanding. I even because I live in Vancouver. And down in, like, Burrard Inlet, there's, like, anywhere between 10 to 15, like, huge, huge cargo ships or tankers that will hang out all the time. And even walking down, like, from the beach, they look incredibly massive. And the stretch from here, like, like the body of water of Burrard Inlet from, like, North Vancouver to, like, Kitsilana, where I am, it's, like, five to six miles and oh, wow. the, like, yeah, the the boats though that are like seventy five percent of the way like closer to North Vancouver, they still look absolutely massive.
1: Yeah, like it is yeah.
0: ridiculous. It's the like most. It's the closest that I think I've ever been to, like actually seeing them consistently. Because people might see like small boats or things like that in coastal communities, but I know Vancouver at least like this port is one of the only ones where I've been able to like even kind of conceptualize how large these things actually are
1: yeah and the thing is like if you want to take vancouver and like multiply it by like at least 10 up and down the entire like north american west coast like because people don't realize like how much shipping activity is occurring on the west of Coast of North America. It's like Mm -hmm. okay, you have Vancouver, and then right below that you have Seattle, and then you go down a little bit. You might have. I think you definitely have a couple near Portland. I don't know. Oregon's weird. Oh, I'm gonna get. Oh yeah. I don't know much about Oregon. This sounds bad. But then you go down (laughs) to California. You have like San Francisco Bay, and then you also have like Los Angeles. It's just like you have these massive, massive population centers that are accompanied by this you massive like ports and that literally is like, I would say, I would hazard a guess like a good percentage of like the global like shipping activity is coming in and out of just the North American West Coast. And it's like, yeah. you know, a few, maybe like five to 10 major ports, but like they- But they, they really, are,
0: they're working, yeah. Cause especially too, not they, only does it go up and down, it like, it goes across the Pacific. It goes up into Alaska, to Russia, I don't know, guaranteed to a bunch of places in in Asia, like guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you just like want to keep expanding, like the, like the, the magnifying glass, if you will. Right. Like you want to go up into like near Alaska and Russia, like you, then you have all that shipping activity for like oil exploration and things like that. It's just like the, the problem of the, the impact of shipping are like inherently global because these ships are like everywhere, literally like crossing entire basins in periods of time that are like were once incomprehensible to like mankind and now we're just like like how do you think you have your two-day shipping from Amazon right like come
0: on no it's (laughs) it's absolutely insane it's it yeah I actually I didn't think about it I'd want to talk because the thing that I forget a lot of the time too is like the the so the like the process for two day shipping. Where does it go? Where who are the people that touch it? How many hands did it pass through from the start to the end? Uh, but also too like I couldn't imagine working on one of those. Like being no. on a ship the size of a city going like through the Alaskan. It's not tundra, tundra's land, um, but going through like the Pacific Ocean, like that's not a cruise ship. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> yeah no it's it's i yeah it's it's just like i just don't it's like the problems that we have now sometimes i get like really overwhelmed because i'm just like okay yeah we're like looking at like the impact of shit strikes on large variables <laughs> and then like you keep pulling like look like what we just did right you yeah can extrapolate honestly like oh oh and then you're like the problems way more complex to the point where you're like <laughs> this isn't even the problem that i was working on so it's kind of it's helpful to kind of like expand out and like think about like the broader context in which you're like operating but it's also Mm -hmm. important to remember like you're one individual and you're trying to tackle like one problem and even then within one problem you're not trying to fix the whole thing you're trying (laughs) to do like a itty bitty thing and they're like that's fine because there are people all over the place, like all over the world country whatever right yeah that are also working on the other little bits of the problem that you can't work on so it's fine but yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) well that's also the nice part about having as many people as we are like working in these areas
1: um but yeah no like we i definitely have a like a bunch of people like that are just you know dedicated observers and they will like religiously report and i have you know like a plus um reports. And then <laughs> I also get reports from people um, who are just visiting the area, right, who have never yeah. seen their names. they're not on our list of like, um, reliable observers. And so they go they're entered in as a public contribution. Um, mm. that's not to mean, that's not to say that there's anything um, less than about that. I just like I always, I don't know, I always feel feel weird when I'm like, oh, is this sighting reliable or is it public? And it's like, um, yeah, it's like, I don't think that one is inherently better than the other. It's just that the nature of the person who reported was maybe a long time contributor to the museum or is a researcher out on the water or is an organization that we've partnered with, you know? So there's like- The way to organize it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so public observers are honestly really great because it's it's really like you know when i'm talking about it like this i'm just like oh my god it's so much fun but then when you're entering the meeting you're like no (laughs) um it's really it's really just like nice to read about like people's like first interactions like or first observations of marine mammals like when they go out on like you know like they're just out visiting different parks or if they're even out on a whale watch or whatever and it's just really really cool to kind of like read all their like really enthusiastic comments about like oh my god we saw these whales and just like (laughs) out. and you're like okay cool like i'm just pulling out like the information i need but it's still like and it was still cool to be like oh this person's first observation of like marine mammals in the wild is now in this database like forever that's amazing um yeah so it's 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 a really cool um yeah i really like how long term this database has been but also just like how it's been you know, just like this wide call to action to like contribute to it has been like um, made over the years. So it's a yeah, it's a really cool eclectic little collection of primate <laughs> operations.
0: I was gonna say, and also like it's so like like one, you put out the call to action, but the amount of people that have answered, even just for the way you're explaining it now, has to be like ridiculously immense, <laughs> which makes it even more fun because yeah, like,
1: yeah and like.
0: Becoming a little bit more, or becoming greater as time goes on too.
1: Yeah, and especially with like you know cell phones, like now everybody has like a mini computer right yeah. in their. Uh, you can't see this. Um, <laughs> has like a mini computer in their pocket, right? And so, I think that like the technology has only like facilitated like this information sharing, um, just like generally, but also like specifically in this way for us. So. Um, yeah it's been really cool to kind of like be a, be a little part of that
0: <laughs> that's awesome the databases that you have how far back do they go
1: so we have observations in there that go back to 1948 from like the whale museum archive because the whale museum is still museum mm-hmm. <laughs> i think people forget that Yeah, <laughs> i forget that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the Mail Museum is still a museum. And so we have like archives from 1948 and like sightings. Um, yeah, and so that's pretty cool. But I, the whole like initiative of like systematically collecting and compiling these data for long-term use or for sharing and things like that didn't really start till 1976. So it's still been around for a good minute, but um, yeah, like the oldest records that we have in there from our archives are like 1948 or so.
0: That's amazing yeah that's that's very insane to go all the way back and also too like the 1976 having having information on a specific population of marine mammals in a part of in any part of the world 1976 is a long long time to have that like data like, like yeah, I think people I think like people... in general understand that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean
1: 1976 is what
0: like uh almost 38 now or so. yeah or 40 yeah
1: yeah it's like 40 it's like 40 Well, we're in 20 2021 right so it's like 45 years
0: yeah did i do my math you did your math exactly correct i need to use the calculator myself (laughs) (laughs)
1: um i was like did i carry my one right (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but um yeah like 45 years is still a long time and then i also just wanted to say kind of clarify that even though southern resident killer whales are like the um sweethearts if you will this data set includes like sightings data for all marine mammals in the salish sea that are observed in the salish sea so um i have been very much trying to expand that language a little bit just because like people you know like the well museums you know kind of like um, mascot, if you will, is a Southern <laughs> thing killer whale. And like those Definitely. are the animals that we champion, but we champion all marine mammals. And so um, I'm just trying to kind of expand that language a little bit so that people, when they do see, you know, a harbor seal, <laughs> like as common as they are, <laughs> like yeah. they will still report that observation because I think that, that it's like, it, this job is especially realized that it's just, it's not about, you know collecting the really interesting observations that like pop up in time it's about consistently collecting these data over time to build a really robust picture of what this ecosystem is like at least at the at these higher trophic levels right because we're still talking Mm -hmm. about marine mammals
0: um
1: but yeah so i think yeah I just wanted to like put that disclaimer out there it's like yes southern resident killer whales oh, we want those sightings yes but also all the other marine mammals <laughs> please um so yeah
0: that's a that's amazing that you go what is what do you think is this or what what is the smallest scale of marine mammal that you would look to record
1: I so Harbor want... Seal,
0: does it go smaller than that or is it I don't I that. don't
1: think so because harbor seals are just so ubiquitous in yeah. waters. It's just like, yeah. I mean, so like, I guess like the thing is like people that pinnipeds are marine mammals. I'm just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, and um, and Alyssa, <laughs> the training coordinator, she'll also like <laughs> back me up on this one because it's just like people don't realize that like, yeah, like seals and sea lions like we have uh harbor seals stellar sea lions and california sea lions we don't get california's as often they're not as abundant but they are definitely out here Um, and and people aren't just like i just don't think people realize that they are their their numbers are more or less like they're going to have a direct impact they're going to be directly impacted by what's going on and like you know, the killer whale <laughs> realm. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like transients prey upon other marine mammals. A lot of them are going to be like small seals, seal, mm-hmm. seals and sea lions. And um, the the seals and sea lions, they feed on like salmon, which is, and other fish as well. But those are, they're more kind of in competition with southern residents. Not in the same way, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there is some contention over that. But um, yeah, so it's just like, whatever's happening in the killer whale realm is also going to impact, like the pinniped realm. It's going to impact other small cetacean realms as well. But um, yeah, like that's why I'm so like, I want all of the sightings. <laughs> <Neither> <laughs> um, like, yeah, predators. I want, I want to figure, all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah because everything's interconnected like nothing is in a vacuum unless you put it there right
0: yeah <laughs> but, like, well that's also
1: animals are
0: I can only imagine it gets a little bit exciting when you come across a public um settings report of some of the smaller animals like oh my god we got a sea lion from like somebody who I've I, never seen before
1: <laughs> yeah those are my favorite because I'm just like oh my god they saw Harbor seal, and they absolutely lost their minds. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. And it's just like, you, like, it, it kind of helps keep you, like, I don't know, like, just interested or engaged in the, like, animals that you constantly see on a day to day. Like, I, you don't even have to be, like, you know, a marine mammal scientist or whatever yeah. to just, like, you know, just get, like, bored with seal like, harbor seals yeah. after a little while. It's just like, it's really it's just nice to like be able to see something that you think is so common that you take for granted through the lens of somebody else who hasn't seen them ever or doesn't see them regularly and is so excited by it because it makes you kind of just like look at it again in that new like frame and yeah. it just makes you feel i don't know it just it keeps you grounded
0: <laughs> it does it does but yeah. also like no, i i speak for myself, and you can tell me if you feel the same, but, like, you don't really enter this realm for any other reason than you're, like, interested and excited about the stuff. Right. Like, like, it's, it's almost a reminder of that, because even, like, it's been really, really fun and interesting to do, even the TikTok, like, at a very, very basic level. As much as, like, it's really just me posting dumb stuff on the Internet. It's, like, every so often you'll get people that are, like, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this stuff, and, like, this is the kind of things that I've been, like, looking at and otherwise... And like, I forget what it was like to, or it was a reminder of how fun it was to like really start getting interested and excited. And when you learn like something really, really big, like, oh my God, what a, like like that, that (laughs) excitement is like, it's shared. It's just like, it's a reminder. It really, it really grounds it. And it makes it even more fun. It's like, I know I want to do this.
1: exactly exactly kind of just like it, it helps keep that pulse on like that little like kid in you that was already, oh yeah. that was already like interested <laughs> um and just like you know just anything that's like and honestly yeah and harbor seals are awesome like they're so freaking cute like, and, <laughs> like give them some love because they're awesome
0: yeah honestly
1: yeah
0: i gotta say too that was um That was one thing about, because I, so for anybody who doesn't know, I actually recently went down to Friday Harbor, like two or three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, a while back, October sometime. What is time.
1: No one knows. (laughs) Long
0: time. Um, But that was like, I have to say, like, I was like, even driving home from that trip, it was kind of surreal because I had been to the Whale Museum, actually a year before you were there in 2015, because I was there in 2014 for like a week, and I can remember like. Being in the San Juan Islands, like as a kid, like, <laughs> like as much as I was like, I think 15 at the time, it was like me and my dad going around, like trying to see whales any chance we could and stuff like that. Um, but even like walking in as an adult now being like, oh no, like I, like having conversations with you. And then I actually ran into um, Gloria and Tori from co-extinction on my way out as well. They were like coming on. Um, it's wonderful to like walk into the community. And also, too, the community's getting younger, I've seen too.
1: Yeah, like on Friday <laughs> specifically, or just like yeah. marine
0: mammals? Well, the people that are working with marine mammals and like entering into kind of the the sphere, even like when I when I was initially looking, when you look at like when you think about the researchers, I usually think about like 60 and 50 year olds.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. The, I think like, a, uh, uh, yeah. So I think it, it's, it's definitely like the demographics of marine mammal conservation practitioners are starting to shift a little. Um, yeah. and it, and it's going to depend on who you ask. Cause if you talk to someone like me, I'm like, yeah, the shift isn't that great. It's not that yeah. distinct. But if you talk to someone like who's an old timer, they're gonna be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, whoa, yeah, <laughs> ship, right." Um, so yeah, like I think as a whole, the marine mammal field is getting younger. It's a lot more female than it used to be. Definitely, if Definitely. you look um, into the higher, into higher, uh, you know, positions like um, mm-hmm. staff scientists and like you know, career researchers, you're still gonna yeah. get your breakdown of like um, older men and but the field as a whole is still very white <laughs> Yeah. um so that's why if you talk to someone like me they're gonna be like i don't really see a difference <laughs> you know it's just like the same thing just slightly different um yeah, yeah. and so i'm hoping that like maybe i can start kind of like changing things a little um definitely not by being super i don't know like how to change just by like existing i guess in yeah. this space like doing work not by any sort of like um because scientists do the minute that you start talking about like identity politics or you start talking about like changes in like the demographics of practitioners in a particular field they start to change people start getting like really uh touchy and they say like you're not doing activism like you're trying to do be a scientist right and so they kind of like dismiss that but it's like (laughs) The, for someone like me, the two are like inextricably linked, right? It's like I yeah. cannot be science outside of my identity because I am my identity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think the field overall is getting younger. I'm really excited by that. I really hope it uh, is younger and more progressive and like a little more, um, I guess, a little less exclusionary because it's always just not yeah. like very, like um, like a, like a Old boys club or something, whatever you want to call it. I'm really bad with American euphemisms. Yeah, so yeah, I think uh, as a whole, marine mammal field is definitely getting younger. Um, I don't really know. uh, Like, I think Friday Harbor definitely is changing because, like, I was actually there in 2014. I was Mm -hmm. not doing any marine mammal stuff. (laughs) I was working on sand dollars. yeah, I was working on the development of like sand dollars uh, at the Friday Harbor Labs with my undergrad advisor, John Allen. Yeah, nice. And um, yeah, it's just like, on it, it's definitely changed a lot since like I first stepped foot on Friday Harbor back in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least to me, I just again, and it could definitely like perspective is relative right and yeah to me it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have changed um like that oh, hey. much yeah the there's definitely is like there... you know inklings of little things like there's a really hip wine bar <laughs> like where i like around the corner from where i live and um yeah like you know there's like like there's a really awesome sushi place called rolling sushi that i love but like but it's yeah, touching it especially in a like
0: place like Friday Harbor where it's Uh, like the turnover on the island i don't imagine is terribly much
1: uh no i would say turnover is pretty high just because like i mean by virtue of like living on the island it's a very seasonal place to live so i don't think uh, yeah i think like i think you definitely get your like long-term year-round residents that stay there and there are definitely old-timers um and and but I think for the most part, like the islands just generally have like a high turnover of residents just because of like the seasonal There's nature. Seasonality.
0: That's fair. That's fair. With regard to demographics, is there anything that you've seen that you have been, that has made you hopeful?
1: I want like, to like, maybe talk like, I feel like I can't comment on like the broader community that I live in, yeah. but like with no. the well for sure. sure. Yeah, I think we have a really great team of people at the museum. We recently, like, um, we hired, we had a really, like, bur- like a burst of hires, um, and that started in August, 2019, with Alyssa as the new stranding mm-hmm. coordinator, and then myself in December, as the yeah. signings network coordinator. Um, Alana Fain came on in March, so you thought I started independent, <laughs> you started in the thick of
0: it. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, Alana Frain um, took over the SoundWatch Butter Education Program um, yeah. in March of 2020, and then uh, just this last like April, we hired uh, Melody Smith, who is our new um, curator. And like, we're all in our 20s, and like, Melody has a degree in zoology, right? Like, I don't think the yeah. museum has ever had, had a curator that has a master's degree in museology before. And so I think if you want to talk about like, you know, having a data and a GIS analyst on, on staff, it's just like yeah. now we have like a kick-ass curator with like a degree in like what she's supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah, and so I think like I, I feel that the museum is really set up to do some really awesome, awesome work um just so because we have like a really great group of honestly kickass ass women oh so yeah like, <laughs> yeah so i'm just like yeah we're kind of set up to do really well and i just hope that you know like all of our collective enthusiasm and drive and expertise kind of like like propels the museum like forward in a really positive way
0: well i from the work that you've done so far and even just talking with I forget the names of the two other women that were at dinner with us, but even just talking to you guys that night. It
1: was Melody and Alana.
0: Melody and Alana, there you go. Yeah. I'd say it is. Do you think that's in large part due to Jenny?
1: I think Jenny has done a really good job like of kind of keeping her eyes out and her ears out for uh, like young people just generally i don't think she's going out
0: no no that. but keeping her eyes peeled for the people who are going to be most yeah. effective at the positions that she needs yeah that makes sense yeah
1: exactly exactly so i think she's done a really good job like in yeah just kind of keeping her eyes and ears out and also like looking in the right places like you know job boards that do have people that with museology degrees that are looking for <laughs> you know jobs in museums and things like that um, so yeah, I think Jenny's done a really great job of like, you know, casting a wide net that is, um, like it's, it's wide, but it's also specific in how it's going about,
0: like, yeah, you know. Definitely conducive the to the, in the right role. Yeah. yeah. As the end of the day It's the biggest goal and creating the roles for the right people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you can create a role, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? world's your oysters. <laughs>
0: That's too good. That is all too good. What is, so this is just a fun one. You said in the Royal Museum, everybody kind of wears many hats usually. Is there any project or thing that you've been given that you kind of looked at and been like, I did not expect to have my toes in this.
1: I think that kind of goes in like a couple, like I have like two immediate responses to that. Sure. So like, I think overall, I didn't expect to have my toes in any of the politics (laughs) around like killer whales and like marine mammals maybe as a whole, but it's like killer whales are a very touchy topic up here. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Um, so I I definitely did not expect that. Um, I knew that killer whale, like, you know, just like with all marine mammals, I knew it was gonna be slightly political just because I the saying goes is that crazy goes with order, like on the kingdom like, you know, family, you know. Um, so it's like as soon as you get to like marine mammals, you're at the like top tier of crazy <laughs> um, among biologists. And so I think it's just like that's part of it, right? And I can't imagine what primate people are like, okay, not <laughs> <I> cannot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just like stepping into the poly, like the inherent political nature around these animals. And also like, I don't want to just say it's politics and just dismiss it. Like it's politics for a reason because concert of yeah. animals is so inextricably linked to a lot of our socioeconomic like activities, right? So you want to think about like slowing down shipping activity. All right, well there's a price that comes with that. Right. You want to talk about like um, like regulating like whale watching activities okay there's a cost associated with that right yeah it's just like you want to talk about like cleaning up the the puget sound and you know enacting like more like strict like chemical or whatever like there's a cost that's going to come with that right and so like that's why these like marine mammals as a whole right are so political (laughs) right because their environment is so Tied to our like socioeconomic activity. It's not just political because people want to be political. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I didn't expect to kind of like step into that um, mm-hmm. naively. Now I know better. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, it's been a really great learning experience. Like kind of like like how to navigate that, and like also working with like multiple stakeholders, people from like different sectors and things like that. To kind of like listening sure. to different perspectives. Um, and then from professionally, the project that, that I kind of took on was this, uh, it was part of like this NIPWIF project, which was the least cost path modeling project. And, um, before I like really knew much about it, uh, honestly, just like looking at it, I was like, oh, like, it's just the least cost path analysis using like this. Model. I did that in one of my like master's classes yeah or whatever like that's that's a pretty straightforward analysis um and then kind of like look into it and be like oh <laughs> this is a lot different <laughs> than like what it needs to be what it is um and also it was just like not feasible to do it in ArcGIS which is how uh, my co-collaborators had like set up the project to like run and I was kind of like supposed to kind of just like build it up so that it could be applied to the rest of the data set not just like a year's worth of data um Mm -hmm. and so what I ended up doing was like I took that whole project and I kind of like translated it if you will in R and that was the first like solo big programming project that I've done and um I would I, I hesitate when I talk about it because I still don't feel like it's complete funding has like run out for it. Right? And so yeah. it's been shelved. Um, but yeah, it's it was like the I knew I was going to step into that. I didn't know what I was going to step into it in the way that I ultimately ended up. And gotcha. so that was a really, really cool, like fulfilling project that I learned so much from. Um, yeah and I would honestly like had to say that it like kind of like motivated me even more to kind of get into this hardcore like spatial ecology realm of like um this like especially like biologging and things like that and yeah. you know these data are not biologging data um it was still like I think it was like it kind of just like opened my eyes like a little more to this like field that I was interested in and dabbling in I felt like as a master's student, but then now as, like, a practitioner, I was
0: just, like, yeah, like, this is something you're into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, going forward, what are the kinds of things that you think you'd like to be doing? Let's say, like, at the whale Museum, apart from the whale Museum, even so, like, dealing with, like, like data and ways to analyze it are growing by the day. Yeah, and i can guarantee you've yes. seen this more than anybody else especially in the potentials and the rant and the realms oh no no one can <laughs> no one can yeah. but what are the kinds of things you either see yourself doing or that you'd like to like to
1: so i kind of have like two little like wish lists in my head and so like for me personally, my ultimate goal is to go and get a PhD, Like that's going to have to happen because sure. I've always known that even like before taking on uh, like the role that I'm in right now. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I'm like currently applying to places and things like that. So we'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. And then Uh, For the Whale Museum, I have a huge wish list of things that I want to do. Um, So it's just like, I mean, first thing first is I really, 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 really want to automate data entry because right now it is manual. And if it's not me that's doing it, it's interns who <laughs> <laughs> I want to pay because don't yeah. even get started on unpaid internships. But Definitely. yeah, I'm not interested in taking on anyone in a volunteer capacity because that although it opened up doors to me, it honestly did a lot of internal damage that like now as an adult, <laughs> like I have no idea how much my labor is worth. And so that's yeah. just not a good way to set up you know a college student who's just interested in ecology no definitely um yeah i respect you a lot for that
0: by the way that's that's
1: yeah i mean like i I had made a little bit of a caveat to a couple like i had an intern last winter and she reached out to me and i was like no i don't have money for you and i don't feel comfortable with you working for free for me um and Mm -hmm. she was like i'm already going to be here i'm going to be working at labs and i just want like a few hours to do a project that you might have help with. And I was like, I need to see proof that you're going to be on (laughs) the end. So she was like, already going to be here and like really wanted to help. And then in that case, like, I was like, yeah, cool. Okay.
0: Sure. Like Like you're set on the other side. You're doing this almost for, almost for fun. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I was like, we'll see you something this is fine, but okay. (laughs) Um, she was great. for so much. Um, I actually just wrote her a letter of recommendation. She just started college, and um, I just wrote her a letter of recommendation for a summer position that she's awesome. applying for. Um, yeah. So in that one case, like, yeah, I was like, so I, I just don't want to get called out and like be called like a hypocrite. Because, but yeah, for <laughs> most for, most things, I'm not trying to take any unpaid interns. Like, yeah. no. Um, yeah, and so data entry is one thing that is easy for me to delegate out and I call it as like a data monkey position and I am frequently that monkey. Um, so it's just, it would be nice if that could be done by a computer and yeah. not a person. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out how to do that a little bit, um, with our like various different data partners, it's not going to be 100% automated, but if I can get it down to even 50%, that would be great. Yeah, um, cutting the yeah.
0: workload in half is huge. Yes, um,
1: like, yeah, it's a big
0: deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that that annual report takes a year, and honestly, the reason that that annual report takes a year is because it takes a year for someone to catch up with a year's worth of citing data if it's one person entering it. And the pandemic really did a number because we haven't been able to accept like in-person volunteers anymore. And so like historically Jen, my predecessor, relied heavily on like volunteers through the Whale Museum's like volunteer network that would come in during like the work day, like nine to five, and just sit out, hang out at a computer for like a couple hours and help her catch up on sightings data. That's um funny. and then the pandemic cut that avenue off. So yeah. and that's fine. The pandemic ruined a lot of things more important than this, <laughs> but um yeah and so data automating data entry would be like wish list number one i really want to create some type of like web interface for people to interact with some of the historical data that we have um like in and not in like a raw data format um like you know being able to talk like maps maps. yeah exactly exactly yeah story maps is a really great one um and uh i want to pull out like you know about this but i want to pull out uh like in, like individual animal ID data and like behavioral data out of the comments fields in our, like in the database, because Definitely. Um, it would be nice if we can parse those out a little. And so I'm trying to figure out how to do like, yeah. I was just saying, it's kind of hard to like, you know, process half a million data entries at this point and like be able to like read through the comments and all of them and pick out that information. So I'm okay. trying to figure out how to be able to make that a little more doable programmatically um, yeah and yeah we have a couple other projects going on like internally we all will always have work master hopefully <laughs> um, we're still working with like quiet sound and the and ocean wise and washington state fairies and things like that um, to help although you know once that like once quiet sound got stood up as its own program and their director was hired and things like that um, yeah. That was a that was like a long that was a process that took some time, and so now I'm hopeful that you know more more progress is going to be made in that front. Um, Lovely. But yeah, like those are my big like wish list items. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like a lot of like database cleaning and management, and it's like it sounds boring, but it's like
0: it's it- interesting
1: and uh, broader. Act of it is going to be really really great so
0: yeah well not only that too but once once that stuff works well the amount of things that you can do with clean information that is available quickly is ridiculous that is yeah that's what i, I learned
1: it's just yeah, like not all data is good data <laughs> <laughs> That
0: much is absolutely yeah. true well we are hitting about um hour so we'll just wrap it up for now is there i can leave this opportunity to you to plug any anything about the whale museum any organizations any literally anything you could want even yourself
1: oh uh okay <laughs> i don't know i'm interesting i'm supplied um let's see so the, everybody knows you can just like google the Well museum um you can visit the Well museum in purpose and purpose in person
0: in purpose,
1: in purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are located in friday harbor just up from the ferry landing um come by i would have to admit that this time of year is not a pleasant time to visit the san it's just you know <laughs> yeah. not it's it's just like gray and cloudy and sometimes rainy. It's just cold. Yeah. You can come by in the summer, um, or you can come by now, it'll be quieter. Well museum does close for a little bit in the summer in the wintertime though, for like internal, like just a bunch of like we just do a whole like deep painting and inventory of everything. Definitely. Um Yeah. Um, let's see. I also want to shout out Doors Conservation Scholars Programme, the UW chapter. It's awesome i was a mentor i was a mentor <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> this summer um for two wonderful interns um paloma um wood asimian who is now a junior at howard university and uh Andrea pierre who is now a senior at pomona college down in southern california um, they were both wonderful awesome two great young women to have for the summer, and I was really, really um, thankful to be like part of the Doris Duke like program. Um, yeah, so always, and they're taking applications now. So if you're an undergrad, and if you are from a historically underrepresented, uh, like, group, um, you should definitely think about applying to the Doris Duke Conservation Scholars Program at UW. Uh, it is two summers long and you get paid. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and in your second summer, that's when you get hosted, like, you know, you get posted with a host organization. Um, and so that's how I got Andrea and Paloma this summer. Um, yeah, I am not most active social media person. I, my friend, Sean, made me get a Twitter account last September. Um, and for like, honestly, it was black mammalogists week. She was like, you need, to, like, you need to do this. And I was like, okay. And so I signed up for Twitter because of that. Um, and I still have it. So you can just find me on there. I don't do much other than retweet a bunch of things that I like, or like things. So I might not be the best person to also follow, but I'm there. Um, Yeah. And then all my other socials are kind of private, so, and I don't use them. (laughs) Yeah. kind of lame. Um, Yeah. And then, oh, actually I should plug this. So I just had a publication that, um, like a publication be officially published. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so that was really exciting. And that was led by uh, Long Bu, who is a um researcher who like I collaborated with 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 my graduate advisor when I was Mm -hmm. in Vietnam so that paper is out I don't know if it's open access which is ironic but if somebody wants the pdf to that let me know (laughs) Um, yeah if I can just read that and you can also just find I definitely retweeted that because my um collaborator Michael McGowan who's out at the he's a marine mammal curator at the Smithsonian um, Mm -hmm. Like tweeted about that and i hopped on that train so um, yeah, yeah i had that publication recently out and that's really exciting so yeah congrats
0: yeah. that's amazing thank you
1: um, of course i think that's, that's really that really it's kind
0: of that's a that, wonderful yeah, amount
1: like <laughs> yeah no
0: it's a wonderful <laughs> amount of things thank you, thank you so much me. one it
1: really of course.
0: no it's been a blast and also too like i've I, we were also talking before all of like this podcast thing started so I was very excited to just like pick your brain about this stuff casually in general so I'm glad to I'm, I'm very very glad to definitely was yeah, very anytime.
1: excited
0: I mean, yeah yeah no oh, yeah I we'll say,
1: definitely... anytime oh, sorry I'm gonna stop oh I was gonna say um anytime that you feel like you need to have me back on for whatever reason let me know so I'm happy to come back
0: 100 maybe when one of the wish lists gets granted or you go on to do amazing things we'll figure it out
1: yes if i star in an oscar production and
0: yes become for sure
1: yes you yep. can definitely yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i knew her way back well that yeah. is excellent
1: i knew her when she was a weird weird
0: <laughs> whale nerd <laughs> that's all of us that's all yeah. of us well, to all the wheeled braille nerds out life. there. I hope you all have a great day. Once again, I'm the Orca Man here with Sama from the Wham Museum and we'll see you later.